0: Hey, from New Jersey, it's the SNL Nerds, a show with two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson.
1: And I'm your co-host, John Trumbull.
0: Mr. Trumbull, how are you? Good, sir. Hmm, well, you know, I'm doing okay. How about you? Living, good, good. I almost said living a life chasing a dream, but I you stopped You did? Myself. I heard
1: you stop yourself.
0: <laughs> stop myself right <laughs> in my tracks. I'm like, no, Darren, you say that all the time. Let's... <laughs> Let's 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 switch things up. New year, new me. <laughs> I can't say that anymore. John mocks me when I say that. <laughs> <laughs> like I, like I don't want to have this catchphrase. I don't want people to come to me in the streets, ask, waiting for me to say my catchphrase. And be like, "Hey, Darren, how you doing? Say it. Say the phrase." And is, I don't want that. Is anymore. that happening? Uh, yes. You know, mobbed by fans as I am, I have people. Sure. Coming coming up to me in the streets after shows, John.
1: Yeah. You did do a couple shows uh, this weekend, didn't you?
0: Yeah, yeah. I did uh, the first one in a a long time. I did a show at uh, my good friend Katie Compas uh, has a show at the QED in the story of Queens. It's it's a show that starts at 11 at night, so it's a a late one. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> I could tell just me saying 11 p.m., you're already like...
1: I, I'm exhausted. I am like half <laughs> asleep now, because I've traveled to QED in, Hist- in Astoria, and it, it was a long trip when I worked like just outside the city, and when I'm, yeah, coming from uh, where I am in New Jersey, no, I, uh, I don't, I don't want to do that.
0: <laughs> I hear you. I mean, for those that don't know, uh, QED, it's on the very last stop of the N train, Mm -hmm. In Astoria, Queens. It's a really cool spot. Really nice. It is. It's it's a
1: great venue. I'm not. I'm not knocking it. I'm just knocking the time and the hassle it takes to get there from New Jersey. It
0: it's it takes a while. Yeah. Like I mean, we left at. uh, I mean, we left pretty late, like ten o'clock. So there was no traffic or anything, and it still took us about forty five minutes to get out there.
1: I am amazed your wife went with you for this one. That is love, right there.
0: Yeah, hey, she's she's in it. She's a uh, ride or die, I believe the kids call it. Darren's Darren's what She comes out to like every show you do, doesn't she? Pretty much, yeah. Like, I mean, unless she's like under the weather or whatnot, she will come out. Like, she's heard me tell the same jokes over and over again, like to the point mm-hmm. where I'm like, you don't you don't have to come. Like, you've heard this blocky yeah. material over and over again like let's let me. The dare's explain. a hat if you don't know everyone yes absolutely uh no. oh, i'm one of the worst in the biz <laughs> but like she yeah she wants she comes out she supports it's a it's a beautiful thing john trumbull it's a beautiful
1: thing. it is it is it, it really is sweet i am i am touched whenever uh we do a show together which we haven't in quite a while um it's been a minute and, uh, <laughs> but when it, yeah, your, your wife is like always out there and she's always like smiling and paying attention and cheering you on. And it's, it's nice to see. I'm
0: like, oh, that's love. Yay. That is love right there. What is love? <laughs> I don't know. That's the first song I I thought of with the word love in it, that word association. Uh,
1: that is definitely a song with love in it.
0: There you go. yes right. Yay.
1: <laughs> You're not wrong, sir.
0: I am not. Uh, speaking of love. There's a mm. lot of love for this movie we're going to talk about today. Ah, Segway King.
1: Just, just a plus transition there, my
0: friend. A plus. <laughs> That's right. I majored in this in college in uh, segways. <laughs> yeah,
1: we're doing
2: uh... what.
1: I'd say one of the more famous movies starring an SNL alum, starring several SNL alums. uh, We're doing National Lampoon's Vacation from
0: 1983. Uh, Yeah, came out uh, July 29th, 1983. Uh, Had a budget of 15 mil and made 61 mil. It was a this was a big box office smash. um, Mm -hmm. Directed by the late great Harold Ramis. Screenplay by John Hughes. John that?
1: Hughes. This was kind of like the John Hughes at the start of his 80s renaissance. Uh, was this yes. was this John Hughes's first screenplay?
0: Uh I think it, I think it was. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll double check, but I believe okay. we so... will say
1: that it was John Hughes's first screenplay until we are disproven on this fact. Um but the the movie it stars Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo, a young Anthony Michael Hall, uh, Dana Barron, Randy Quaid, who at the time this movie was made was not on SNL yet, but he would be within a couple of years. Uh, John Candy, special appearance towards the end there, not not on SNL, but like great John Candy uh, from SCTV and many other right. great credits and uh who else who am i forgetting oh yes and it's introducing christy brinkley
0: oh yes christy brinkley who yeah chihuahua. this is her first film uh, as well
1: yeah the film debut of christy brinkley hence the and introducing um this was uh, it, christy brinkley was famous at this point because i believe she first became really famous as like one of the sports illustrated swimsuit models in in the early 80s and then she was like one of the supermodels from the 80s, and then she married Mr. Billy Joel, had a mm. daughter with her. him, um, got divorced at some point. I think she's been married a couple times since.
0: But yeah, I, she, I mean, she, yeah, of course, You know, we all yeah. know her seminal work from Parks and Recreation as uh, Gail Gergic. Yes, and, uh, yes,
1: she, Jerry's she, wife. And uh,
0: uh, yeah, she's, I mean, she's just been known... To be one like one of the most beautiful people on the planet. I mean, she's Mm -hmm. like professionally pretty. Yeah, pretty for a living. That's
1: when you think about it. That is such a weird way to make a living, right? To being a (laughs) model, to be like just your your occupation is to be hot. (laughs) That's
0: right. Yeah, nice. Nice work if you can get it.
1: I guess so. I mean, hey, when you hit the genetic lottery like that, you gotta. You, you got to make the most of it during during your peak years, I suppose. So, here, here.
0: Um, yeah. Oh, so- also, all right. So, uh, real quick. Um, so, I did a little research just now, and yeah, this was not John Hughes' first movie he's written because before this, he wrote a a little thing called Mister Mom with oh, right. uh, Michael okay. Keaton. Michael Keaton, uh, R. R. A, Martin Mull. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another film called Class Reunion. And okay. um, that, was an,
1: that was another National Lampoon film, I remember, and it had some of the Animal House people in it, I think.
0: Right. Uh, another film called A Secret Life of Nikola Tesla, which I've never heard Okay, of.
1: so I think we've established that this was not John Hughes's first film.
0: Right. But also, here's a little fun fact. He uh, wrote four episodes of a little thing we covered on this podcast, a little thing called Delta House.
1: Delta House, the bre- the short-lived TV <laughs> sitcom version of Animal House that they did not call Animal House for reasons I still do not understand.
0: What a way to confuse anybody who is a fan of Animal House who might watch this TV show. I know, I just, that's so weird. It's like,
1: like when they made TV shows of M.A.S.H. and The Odd Couple, they did not change the titles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like- and... And there's nothing wrong with the title Animal House. And and they were do and Animal House was such a big hit that they did a couple of other college-based sitcoms. I think one was called Brothers and Sisters, and one I, I forget what the name of the other one was. But it's like, you are the one set of people that can call your show Animal House,
0: and you don't call it Animal House. You call it Delta House. that's just Yeah, that's like uh like you have the name. The name has cachet. Just yeah, you have. To that, I don't know. So, so anyway. Uh, but, but speaking of brand,
1: this was part of the National Lampoon uh, brand, and National Lampoon, of course, huge comedy magazine. We talked about it uh, a bit on some of the other episodes we've done of this podcast. We did uh, in the episode of, about uh, Doug Kinney that we did. Uh,
0: uh, a called... stupid and Feudal gesture.
1: Stupid and futile gesture. Thank you. I always forget the order that the words come in that title. <laughs> I'm like, is it stupid and futile or futile and stupid? I can't remember. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, Animal House was like this seminal co- comedy magazine in the in the 1970s, and they expanded their brand into the movies. They they did Animal House, they did National Lampoons, they did a few other films, and this film was based on. A story, a short story by John Hughes. It was published in the magazine in uh, 1979, I think it was. Uh, and it was called uh, Vacation uh, 1958. Mm. Um, so and it was it was loosely based on a family vacation that uh, John Hughes had taken with his family. I'm sorry, it's called Vacation 58, not 1958. Uh, But it has one of the best opening lines I've ever read in a a short story. If Dad hadn't shot Walt Disney in the leg, it would have been our best vacation ever. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That is a great opening line. That that gets your attention and you immediately are like, well, what's this all about? Um, Yeah. And and it's really interesting The the movie expands out from this short story and adds to it, of course, because y- you have to expand it out a, a little bit. But the basic structure of the movie is there in the short story. There are some differences, though. I mean, the biggest one is that it, t- it took place in 1958 and they go to Walt Disney World in, or Disneyland instead of Wally World in the movie, uh, because when they were making the movie. The Walt Disney people were like, "Well, our park is never closed. Our park is open 365 days a year." So
0: right, and then uh, COVID,
1: <laughs> yeah, COVID took care of that. COVID took care of that. I believe uh, Disney is back up, and they're they're probably all up for business again. But
0: I believe so. But yeah, I think like, but when COVID hit, like that was literally the first time ever that like Disney World has ever closed. I believe, yeah, which is wow. What a run! Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: mm. So um, yeah, it's an interesting movie, and it's. Um, I mean, it's. I think it's
0: widely regarded as a classic. Would you say that's fair to say? I would say so. Yeah, I mean, you know, directed by, like I said, directed by the late great Harold Ramis. Written by, the late great John Hughes, the one of the man who brought us things like uh, 16 Candles, Mr. Mom. Pretty in Pink, Weird Science, First Bueller. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he's pumped out hits. Uncle Buck. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Home Alone. Like, yeah, he's. Yeah, I would, but yeah, I would say, I would, I would definitely say it is a one of the classics. I think it's one of um, Chevy Chase's most well regarded movies. The one, one of the ones he's probably best known for. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and uh, I mean, it did so well that they've made all those other. Natural Lampoon movies, uh, European Vacation, Vegas Vacation, Christmas Vacation, and then they tried to reboot the whole thing uh, a couple of years back with uh, Ed Helms as well. So, like, I definitely yeah, I watched I watched that? that
1: version on TV one afternoon, and it's an entertaining enough thing for to watch it on TV one afternoon. They they had some interesting meta humor in it. Uh,
0: so yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a rave review.
1: Yeah, well, it's you know it's fair to middling. It's got Ed Helms and it's Christina Applegate, and it's it's pleasant enough. They have some cameos from the original movies. Um,
0: okay, well, yeah, I think yeah, because uh, in that one, Ed Helms plays Rusty. So the so I think uh, Chevy a grown and up lovely. Rusty.
1: Yes. Yeah. Right, but right. Like at at one point in the movie, I remember. Because the, the vacation movies are kind of infamous because they, they recast the kids with literally every movie because there were usually a few years in between each movie and the kids were <laughs> growing up. Every time they were getting ready to make a, a new movie, the, the child actors were <laughs> were too old to reprise their roles, basically. Um,
0: yeah, so... actually, I, think I, I think I read, um, like, if you look in this movie, you see, like, towards the end when you get to Wally World, yeah. You could see that um, Anthony Michael Hall's character Rusty is actually as tall as Beverly D'Angelo, and that's because, yeah. uh, like, after they shot everything, they had to do the reshoots, and like within that time from them finishing and having to do the reshoots, like uh, Anthony Michael Hall went through a growth spurt. And he yeah, it was four this.
1: months later when they reshot the ending, and Anthony Michael Hall, who had been this like the same height as Beverly D'Angelo uh, throughout the movie, he's now taller than her. And I'm looking at the end of the movie. Uh, Dana Baring, who was playing the daughter Audrey, she looked a little different, too. Like, her her cheeks looked a little fuller. And towards the end of the movie, Beverly D'Angelo just has a completely different hairstyle. Did you notice that? (laughs) Uh, No, I didn't. She's got straight hair through most of the movie, and then, like, suddenly, the last third of the movie, she's got curly hair. Well,
0: she got her hair done, because they don't
1: go the Wally world. It's the
0: weirdest thing. Because it's
1: like, wait, the family's flat broke. They've, they've had all these disasters happen in the movie. Why does she suddenly have a new hairstyle? When did she have time or
0: the inclination to do that? I,
1: it, it's a weird thing.
0: Yeah, you can't show up at a Wally World looking all shabby. No,
1: I guess not. I guess not. But, uh, I mean, so this the movie concerns this family, uh, the Griswolds. We got Chevy Chase's Clark Griswold. Beverly D'Angelo as his wife, Ellen, uh, young Anthony Michael Hall as the son, Rusty, and Dana Barron as their daughter, Audrey. And they're all going to pile into the family car and take a road trip from Chicago, Illinois, out to California to go to Wally World, which is Disneyland and everything but name.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's pretty much a v- pretty basic premise for a film. It's just like, yeah, they're, we're... Family going out to California on vacation, and uh, yeah. like we could can even see at the very start of this film that like this whole thing is headed for disaster because we see, at the beginning of the film we see uh, Clark and Rusty taking their car into a dealership because we're right, going to it trade it gonna in. get trade it traded in, traded in, and uh, we yeah. get right off the rip. Uh, we get a cameo from Eugene Levy in the beginning. I've
1: forgotten that Eugene Levy is in. The beginning of this movie. I mean, it's, you know, Harold Ramis throwing his old uh, SCTV colleagues uh, a gig. So that's that's nice to see. Yeah. And, getting them
0: getting Eugene some work. And uh, yeah. yeah. So like right off, of course, right off the bat, they take the dealership takes the old car. They bring out the new car, but it's not the car they ordered. It, it's some right. a big like wood paneled green uh, monstrosity.
1: Yeah, he you know, like, he wanted the, Clark wanted the Antarctic blue sports wagon that he ordered, and then the 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 dealer's doing a bait and switch basically. And he's like, yeah. "Oh well, that car didn't get here, but we've got this new car. Now, this would be much better for your road trip." And it is it is a monstrosity. It's like a this station wagon, and the, obviously the production designers have gone to town on it to make it look even more ridiculous than it actually was. I mean, it's yeah, it can... it's an ugly yeah. color. It's got the wood paneling. It, not a good-looking car.
0: Yeah, and I also liked how like as soon as Clark sees it, he's like, yeah, this is the car I ordered. Where's my car? And then Eugene Levy goes to one of the people that work at the dealership. He's like, hey, Carl, what happened to this man's car? And the guy's like, I don't know. Yeah. And, and then that's it. That's, that's the only answer we get.
1: Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, yeah, Clark, of course, is like, oh, well, hey, you can't get a kidder. I'll, I'll just take my old car back. And then, But we see that his, his original car has already been crushed. Uh, flat and it's uh, a pancake. So he he has no choice but to take the new car. They destroyed his old car immediately. Didn't yeah. even wait. Didn't even hesitate. Uh, and I don't know if like car dealerships that have the crushing apparatus on the premises. I don't even. don't know if that is a thing or if that has ever been a thing. In my experience, that is not a thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I don't think I've never seen a car dealership with the uh, car crushing devices and heavy machinery in the back like yeah that's, that's i
1: different. i used to work for a car dealership and i mean we had garage and repair facility of course but the car crushing thing no no that is like a very specialized piece of
0: equipment <laughs> <laughs> absolutely
1: so but hey yeah movie's gonna movie um, <laughs> i it was it's also funny that like when clark gets into the car he 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 immediately sets off the airbag and obviously they didn't do a real airbag. It is still obviously just a garbage bag that they they blow up with air.
0: Yeah, I, I was I noticed that too. I was like, that's clearly a trash bag.
1: Yeah, clearly
0: it's not. I mean, it's it a comedy, like, so I get it. So i just
1: yeah. I mean, I, I you feel like at the end of that take, Tom Bosley was like, "Hey, are, are you done with that trash bag? I'm going to need that back for the Glad commercial I'm shooting in five. Wow.
0: Okay. A glad commercial reference with
1: Tom that's Bosley. That's right, that's right. Tom Bosley references in the podcast. You're welcome, America.
0: We know what the kids like. We're, yep. we're up to date.
1: So so Clark takes this this crap car home. Uh and that's when we meet uh Beverly D'Angelo as Ellen and and uh Dana Barron is Audrey. And Clark is like, Hey, I'm gonna map out my route. On, on the computer where here's how we're going to go cross country. So he takes this early, early 80s home computer that's like hooked up to the TV. But the kids are playing video games. They're playing Pac-Man. And then somehow, even though it's on a completely different machine, somehow the kids are able to take over his computer mapping program and, and, and have Pac-Man eating the dots on that. So it's just, this is like... It's 1983, and I I think people in Hollywood just still assumed computers are
2: magic
0: and can do anything. (laughs) Yeah, computers—that's how they work. You can mix in uh, video games with uh, your regular workflow.
1: Yeah, like this is the same year as Superman Three, where like Richard Pryor creates a computer that can kill superman and and turn somebody into a robot so it's like yeah people in 1983 had no effing idea what computers (laughs) were or what they could do
0: yeah back then texas instruments was like the devil (laughs) it's just and it's it's just such a weird
1: gag because it's like this totally weird surreal thing and there's no other gag in the movie like it uh
0: that's true. It's true. It just a it one. just
1: totally breaks the reality of the film, the, the quote unquote reality of the film. But um,
0: right. Um, but anyway, yes. but I, you know it's a funny little gag, a little psych gag. And um, is it is it though? It's uh, it's there. <laughs> I, I would say not. <laughs> All right. It's it's something.
1: It's a yeah. up time. I, I mean, it is a gag that they did. I don't know if it's funny so much, but anyway. Um...
0: It's It's okay.
1: Okay. Agree to disagree.
0: All right. Wow. All right. Here we go. Okay. Podcast off to a roaring start. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So, so they pack up the horrible uh, monstrosity of a car, and then they hit the road. I also liked how, as soon as they got the car home, the car already started having problems. Like, the the engines Mm -hmm. knocking... And it's like, yeah. it sounds like something's wrong with it immediately as soon as they took it off the lot. So yeah,
1: like, yeah. And like when they're backing out of the garage, all the luggage comes off the roof. It scrapes against the, yeah. You know, so that, I mean, just it, it's, we can tell this vacation is already going to be a comedy of errors. Um, exactly. And, and even when, like, when they're, they're filling up the car on their trip, uh, Chevy Chase, Clark Griswold cannot find the gas tank. And he's he's looking he like I think he rips off the the license plate on the back because he's looking for it he can't figure out where it is and then finally, Ellen says like oh here it is in this thing in the hood and yeah Chevy Chase of course is doing all his usual Chevy Chase sort of shtick,
0: right? Like and, I think I, I think in that scene because like you said like it, he was looking for the gas cap it wasn't on the left side it wasn't on the right side and yeah. then he saw the car next to him the gas cap yeah. was like underneath. Or behind the license plate. So he tried to yeah. yank the license plate and he ends up ripping it off and almost hitting the woman next to him. Uh, according yeah. to IMDB, yeah, he didn't, that wasn't meant to happen. Like, the, like if you look at it, when he does that and he almost hits the woman with the license plate, that you see like a look of concern on his face. That's real because he, he really he was, he was like, oh shit, I almost hit that woman with this license plate.
1: Okay, I'm, so. I'm not sure if I buy that. Okay, first of all, Chevy Chase having a look of concern for another human being—that doesn't really pass <laughs> the smell test. Um, Damn, not homie. not really buying that. <laughs> <laughs> I did I did put in my notes at this point. I was like twelve minutes in, and I'm already sick of Chevy Chase's shtick. <laughs> so, oh, dear. I was like, oh, this is this is going to be a long movie. This is this movie hour thirty eight minutes. Twelve minutes in, I'm like, I think I'm already done with the leading man. <laughs>
0: Oh boy! Wow! All right, here we go.
1: I mean, uh, he, I mean Chevy Chase—he's doing his Chevy Chase thing throughout. Chevy's gonna Chevy. Chevy is gonna Chevy. He's gonna—he's—he Chevy's all up in this bitch.
0: It, it is full on Chevy in this. It place. is
1: full on Chevy, and it is a fucking lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, the family hits the road. Um, they make a—they—they uh, they drive through St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And um, they take out. They take the wrong exit. They get yep. lost, and they end up in uh, the hood.
1: They they so, end up in a bad neighborhood. They they try to stop for directions, but they are in the hood. And because it is 1983, we're going to get really racist with this shit.
0: That's right. At one point, he stops to ask a pimp for directions. The yeah. uh, pimp says, uh, "Fuck your mama," and yep. he says, "Oh, it's all right, thank you," and and goes off and leaves. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, and then he he asks uh, another fellow for directions, and the the guy is just feeding him this long line of bullshit while uh, all his buddies are stealing the hubcaps from the station wagon.
0: Because that's that, that's what we do. Because
1: <laughs> and yeah, and I, I I wrote a note at this point. I was like, only black people in this movie? Question mark. Because as far as I can remember, it was. Um, well, the, no, there, no. There is, there, one, there is one more black person who shows up towards the end. So
0: there you go, diversity. We're doing it. <laughs> so yay! <laughs> yeah, as soon as I saw that scene, I was like, "All right, I've, I've seen this before." It's like, yeah, they, you know, it's like, hey, we're, we're like, hey, all right, brother, I can show you the way sure, for, for show. They, they
1: like the white panic jokes in
0: in the early
1: eighties,
0: man. Yeah, it's uh,
1: even uh, even. Even Harold Ramis, uh, I think, in the commentary, expressed regret over this scene. He was, he was like, "Yeah, I wouldn't do this scene the same way today." So, uh, points for Harold Ramis for showing personal growth.
0: There you go, there you go, Ramis.
1: But yeah, it's it's very, it's very Animal House. Do you mind if we dance with your dates? You know,
0: yeah. And like something happened that I didn't even notice till later. Because, like, you can't really see it until, like, the daylight scenes kick in. But, the, like, it the,
1: like a, the writing on the side? Yeah. Like,
0: I didn't notice that until they got to uh, Randy Quaid's house, where I was like, oh, they, they yeah. spray painted on the side of the car. All right.
1: Yeah, you, you can see it a little after that when they show up at the hotel at night. Yeah, the, the guys, they spray painted honky lips on the side of the car for some reason. <laughs>
0: Yeah, which, as a black person, I was like, when did we ever say that? Did I miss a meeting? I don't remember. I I don't
1: think that was ever a phrase. I watched a lot of episodes of the Jeffersons as a kid, and I remember (laughs) the word honky being used a lot. I don't remember honky lips ever being a
0: thing. Yeah, like, that. I got to, like, hmm, I don't know, maybe it's a Chicago thing. Maybe John Hughes is like, I've heard this, and my days in the, in the hood
2: i
1: i feel like it it was more something like we want to make something up that sounds vaguely racial but we don't want to be too offensive so <laughs> we want something racial that the kids can enjoy do
0: i mean do black people ever make fun of white people's lips i mean we do but we don't spray paint it on cars we okay. you know we're, we're quiet about it i've i said too much <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, black people. I didn't sure. mean that.
2: Really?
1: No, 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 no. That's okay. I'm sure. I'm sure that is a segment of your regular meetings. So,
0: really, I'm spilling the beans here.
1: You are. You are. Good boy. <laughs> so, um, the, and then, then they have the thing after that where uh, we we're we're panning around the car. We see that the family is. You know, the kids are asleep in the back seat. Uh, Ellen is asleep in the front seat. And then it pans over to Clark, and he is asleep at the driver's wheel. And the, the car starts drifting and goes into oncoming traffic. There's a great shot where the, the car just, like, whizzes through the suburban neighborhood. And a, and a guy walking his dog just yanks the dog up away from the path of the car. Uh, yeah. Like,
0: yeah, I mean, that guy really has to get that timing just right because... If they don't. and
1: I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm like, is that a real dog? Are we, are we, I, yeah. I I don't know. I don't was, know if it was a real dog or not. I don't know if that was a shot of worth abusing a dog over, <laughs> like yanking the dog by its neck. Uh,
0: yeah, it was, uh, I don't know. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of things happen to dogs in this movie, but we'll, we'll get there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There is a lot of dog abuse. I don't, I don't know if there was like an ASA, a uh, CPA, uh, <laughs> disclaimer at the end or like humane society disclaimer
0: i suspect not <laughs> <laughs> like no animals were harmed no we can't say that yeah i'm i feel like maybe some animals were harmed during
1: this at least in story the animals are harmed um oh boy. so so the griswolds like get to the hotel they all settle in for their first night um and be, again because it's a movie in the 80s we have like a reef scene of like totally gratuitous nudity where like Beverly D'Angelo is just taking a shower
0: yeah <laughs> now you're talking
1: it's it's so weird when i go back and watch movies from the early 80s from for this podcast now because it's just it just so reminds you yeah this was kind of a different era
0: and they did, did they do not make movies in this way anymore. Look, if you're going to have a rated R comedy in the 80s, you can bet your bottom dollar that thing's going to have some boobies in it. It needs yeah,
1: it. Yeah, I mean, and it's just, they, they so don't do
0: that anymore. I mean, not yeah. that there's no nudity in movies, but it's, it's usually a little more relevant. Yeah, I mean, an 80s comedy without boobies, that's like Cornflake without the milk, baby.
1: Yeah, but I mean, hey, people didn't have the internet yet, so. Right. That's right. This was their only outlet to see some boobs. This or or buying a Playboy at the Seven Eleven. Those were the options. So <laughs> got a stack of nudie
0: mags. And <laughs> and ever the uh, baloney.
1: I I remember like Beverly D'Angelo. I I think she was she was very free with her body. You know she was she was like in hair back in the day. So she just does not give an f. She's just like yeah sure whatever. <laughs> hey now, nothing wrong with that. I'll got it flaunt it. Um, yeah, we, and then we have the thing with the, the vibrating bed. Th- this kind of sets up that like... Clark is very sexually frustrated throughout this this whole movie. He's tr- he's trying to have some intimate moments with his wife, Ellen, and he's he's thwarted throughout this movie.
0: Yeah, the kids are constantly cock-blocking him, and he's uh-huh. trying to use the massage bed, and the massage bed is all broken and goes haywire. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot. I, you know, my, my boy Clark just wants to get his nut off, and just happen. Beautifully put, sir. Thank you. I'm a bit of a poet. Not trying
1: to take the high road here. Darren's just like, yeah, he wants to get his nut off.
0: Okay. Yeah. It's his. He's, that's what that's what it is, man. That's what it is, baby. Come on, we ain't nothing but mammals. <laughs>
1: Do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. Is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah,
0: that was a great song.
1: Um,
0: again, agree to disagree. Um... <laughs> I actually did go to like a, one of their concerts years ago, but it, that's another story for another time. Who who was that? What was the name of the group again? Uh, the Bloodhound Gang. They had... The Bloodhound
1: Gang. Yeah. Okay. You and me, baby. I mean, it's a catchy song. I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a hook. It's, it's got a hook. It's got a hook. I mean, it's it's like the holiday road of its day.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about that, too, because like a uh, listeners, uh, John and I just saw the video for that for the first time in a long time. And that yeah, that video is odd. OK,
1: well, let, let's just go talk about it now. Um, OK. Uh, the, uh, yeah, the, so- the theme song for this movie is by the great Lindsay Buckingham. Uh, who you know from his years in Fleetwood Mac, his brilliant solo career, and from guest starring on What's Up With That a whole lot.
0: Um, exactly. And uh, yeah, yeah. And he made the song Holiday Road because as I think we said before, like a lot of 80s comedies had to have like its own theme song. Yes. Like, of course, you know, as we talked before about Spies Like Us, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Back to the Future had Power of Love. Like mm-hmm. every 80s, Movie
2: you you had you had
1: Kenny Loggins with uh, with oh, uh, no, no. Caddyshack, Caddyshack, yeah, yeah. So this this is in that vein. You, you do a nice rock song. You get a little cross promotion. You do a cool music video that's got clips of the movie, and people are like, "Hey, that movie looks cool. I am going to go see that and listen to that catchy rock song during the opening credits." Mm-hmm. And uh, Holiday wrote not a whole lot in the in the lyric department.
0: It's well, first of all, it's a super short song. It's like a little over two minutes. Two minutes and, long. Two minutes like... long. About
1: five lines the man wrote. He, I mean, here are, the, here are the lyrics in their entirety. I found out long ago, it's a long way down the holiday road. Holiday road, holiday road. Jack me nimble, jack be quick. Take a ride on the West Coast kick. Holiday Road, Holiday Road, Holiday Road, Holiday Road. And now we are in the last verse. Alright. <laughs> I found out long ago, it's a long way down the holiday road. Yes, the last verse is the exact same as the first. <laughs> verse. And then he repeats Holiday Road four more times.
0: Final so verse, same as the first.
1: <laughs> so Lindsay the Buckingham, I feel like if he spent more than 10 minutes on the lyrics of this. <laughs> Uh, that was too long. <laughs> but it's a great hook. I mean, it's a, it's a fun song. It's a catchy song. They reused it in every damn vacation movie they made. So
0: It's a hell of a song, absolutely. But uh, It's a hell of a song. Video is weird. Yeah, for those that haven't seen the video, it is, like I said, I haven't seen it in a while, but it, it, it does yeah. not match the tone of the song at all. Like, if you listen to the or, song... Or the
1: movie. I mean, it's, it's a very upbeat-sounding song and the video is like this sort of grim dystopian half half the apartment half metropolis sort of thing with all these people in this this corporate office atmosphere with this boss overwhelming it's very 1984 you know
0: very much so yeah like like, uh, Lindsey Buckingham is in it. He's not smiling at all. He's in a suit. He stares at the camera and just dead eyes. Staring eyed.
1: straight into the camera. He is... Like, I mean, it's it's young, handsome Lindsey Buckingham. He's not like the Silver Fox that he is today, but it's... I mean, it is... Yeah, He's it's creepy Lindsey Buckingham, or as creepy as Lindsey Buckingham is, is capable of
0: being. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's... Uh, I think the, the video ends with him behind, like, an office desk, and... He's the camera pulls back and we see he's like behind bars, which I guess it's kind of, I mean, the whole video is basically saying like, you know, the office workplace and the daily mundane grind of office work is like a a hellish prison. Yeah.
1: So it's like he's fantasizing about taking a holiday, maybe, I guess. Yeah. I I don't know what Lindsay Buckingham or the makers of this video are trying to say in it. Uh, I will just note cocaine was a very prevalent drug in the 1980s.
0: Yeah, I could see that.
1: Whether there's a connection between those two things, I do not know.
0: Yeah, I'm sure the pitch was, you know, like, you know, all right, so, like, we're, he's in an office, man, but he's behind bars, man, because, you know, Snip. uh, like, you know, because, you know, office life, is like a hell, man, it's like you're in a prison, like, you know? You yeah, know what I mean, man? yeah,
1: that's a great idea, that's a great idea. yeah, 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 let's yeah, let's
0: do, let's do, let's do that, let's do that, let's do that. Okay.
1: Oh, oh God! I can't. My heart. My heart. <laughs> All right. Let's let's shoot it over lunch. Okay. Yes. Okay. It's, it's, yeah. it's, oh my God. Yes. 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 So
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, eighties.
1: Most most nineteen eighties music videos look really weird today. This is a particularly weird one.
0: It's a weird one. It's a bizarre one. Yeah. Uh, it's seems yeah, normal at so the time. <laughs> At the time people got it people were like this is this is leaps and bounds beyond what anybody else is doing this is the future yeah. and now in the future it's like no nah, this is
1: yeah it's what what the hell were we thinking <laughs>
0: it's and and
1: I mean but it's a cool song very catchy song it got dogs barking at the end of the track for some
0: reason don't know what that's about but it's cool I'll go with it Yeah it's it's all right but yeah that that it does not match the song at all it is it yeah. is like yeah. There's like two different messages they're sending out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so the Griswolds, they're continuing on their road trip. They, they go to Dodge city, Kansas, which is this horrible tourist trap. They, they've got the whole town made out in this Western motif. Um, and not much happens there. Like Clark, uh, one of the bartenders pretends to shoot Clark and Clark, he, he dives like he was actually shot, and then he's like, ha-ha, no, I wasn't shot. Ha-ha. And Yeah, yeah, not
0: much happens there. And then, like, I think at mm-hmm. one point, uh, Beverly says, oh, I don't like that gunshot because it can mess with the kid's hearing, and then it seems like yeah. like one of the kid's hearing was affected, uh, the daughter, Audrey. And I thought yeah. that would come back into play at some point, but it never does.
1: I feel like it was supposed to be Audrey was just joking, but it's not entirely clear. You're not sure if... if uh... Audrey's hearing generally got screwed up or not. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's a it's a weird one. So so like
1: as the family gets back on the road, um, Clark whoa, is gonna whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> back on the holiday road. Uh, yeah. Um he he's he's like, I'm gonna detour to Highway 54 to see the House of Mud. That's that's a reference in the story. Um, okay. and then he when everybody else in the family is distracted because like, I think the kids were acting up in the back seat. Uh, Clark looks to the side and he sees uh, Christy Brinkley as this hot blonde woman in a Ferrari. And she's, she's given him the eye because again, I talked about this in our spies like Us episode for some reason in every movie Chevy Chase made in the 80s like women treat him like he's this sex god
0: and I I do not get it. I kind of like I don't I guess you're right. Like there was a thing in the 70s when he was, you know, first uh, out on the scene, like yeah. he was kind of he was, was like being pitched as like a leading man. He had the little, you know, butt dimple chin yeah. and uh, you know, he's very quick and clever and suavemente with it. And yeah, like he, I mean, but I don't think he had like classic, you know, leading man. Good no, play.
2: he's,
1: he's like handsome for a comedian. So
0: yeah, absolutely. So, which is,
1: which is a nice way of saying not handsome. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> not, he's not bad looking, but he is not a classically handsome Hollywood actor. He's not like a Cary Grant or something, but I don't know. Maybe I am just not seeing it. I think after our Spies Like Us episode, one of my friends who listened to the podcast was like, oh, no, like 1980s Chevy Chase could
0: get it. So Um, maybe the man was a sex god. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, maybe he had some moments in in Fletch where he looked like, oh, I I see it. But yeah, for the most part, he's just...
1: Yeah, I I don't know. Like in Caddyshack, he flirts with Twiggy. uh, And I think he sleeps with um, Cindy Morgan in that. And in Spies Like Us, like all the ladies were swooning over him. and But hey, uh, Christy Brinkley married Billy Joel in real life, so what the hell do I know? Um,
0: hey, anything's possible.
1: Anything's possible. Love is love. Um,
0: yeah. And also, uh, real quick, did you think for a little bit that maybe like uh, Christy Brinkley's character might have been like a, like a mirage or like a figment of his imagination. Like it was like,
1: a... it would have made more sense if they'd revealed that she was a figment of his imagination because nobody else seems to witness it when she is around.
0: Yeah. I thought it was like a Tyler Durden situation or something like that, where it just, that seems would like... make
1: more sense. Um, apparently, <laughs> according to uh, the IMDB trivia in the original ending, she was going to be revealed as Roy Wally's daughter. Ooh, and I'm like, oh well, that's kind of a cool way to tie it all together um the 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 woman in the Ferrari, by the way, does not feature in the short story at all because nineteen fifty eight and I don't think Ferraris were a thing yet.
0: no it would have been like a... Oh, like an Edsel, or what? What did they drive? <laughs> not an Edsel. They drove
1: Model Ford. Ts, I think. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah, it was all uh, flubber powered, and Fred McMurray drove them. <laughs> it was a whole thing.
0: Yeah, see, I, I, I'm trying to figure out what cars people drove in fifties, and I'm, all I can imagine is like Archie's jalopy. I was like, she'd I'm be sorry, in that's like a ride.
1: Corvette, I guess, or a Mustang,
0: okay. whatever they okay. drove
1: on Route sixty six. Got it. Okay, you, you know, like Jack Kerouac would be hitching a ride with her, I guess. Anyway, so he, he keeps seeing throughout this movie, he, he sees Christy Brinkley as the, the woman in the Ferrari. And that's what she's credited as, woman in the Ferrari. Ne- never gets a character name or anything like that. She is just woman. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> just Just there to be object of lust.
0: <laughs> oh, she's listed as uh, uh, eye candy. Okay. Yeah. As pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, Christy Brinkley's listed as object?
1: Yeah. <laughs> She's, I mean, she was listed with the props, which I thought that's,
0: that's <laughs> just not right. <laughs> yeah, it, when it, was it was like
1: props master and then Christy Brinkley's name rolling up in the credits. Yeah. That, that seems wrong, even for 1983.
0: Okay, yeah. Like when, uh, when they were filming it, they had to act the prop master. All right. So you have Christy Brinkley in the, in the, truck, <laughs> right. right. They just
1: put her in a box in between takes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bring out the Brinkley! Bring out the Brinkley! <laughs> oh, good times. Uh,
1: 1983, they didn't know that women were any good and you know, for, like another <laughs> 15 years.
0: Yeah, they were just there to be used for, for whatever. <laughs> All right, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut up now.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's best that we do <laughs> before we start like a hashtag cancel SNL nerds. Um, hey, we could use your attention. We could. We could. <laughs> so, so the family, they make their way to Coolidge, Kansas, where uh, their cousin Eddie, uh, played by Randy Quaid, back when Randy Quaid was still nominally sane. Mm. Um, so that, that tells you right there how long ago this was.
0: Um, it was a while ago. So Rand,
1: Randy Quaid is there as cousin Eddie and his wife Catherine, and then their kids, uh, Vicky and Dale.
0: Uh, did you recognize Vicky, by the way? I did. That actually really caught me by surprise because, uh, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen, we get a uh, surprise cameo from uh, Jersey's own Jane Krakowski.
1: Jane Krakowski of future 30 Rock fame, uh, Ally McBeal fame, and uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt fame. All sorts uh, of things. She's, she's been on Broadway, too. She's, she's a very famous person.
0: Yeah, and uh, I looked it up. This is her very first film as well. And, uh, her I, film debut. Yeah, like I think with the exception of like a uh, ABC weekend special she did, this is like the first mm-hmm. thing she's ever done. So like as soon yeah. as I saw it, I was like, oh, is that Jane Krakowski? Sure yeah. enough, it is.
1: I actually got to meet Jane Krakowski a few years ago. Have I told you about that? I think you mentioned it It was like a, like a playhouse or something. Yeah. She was doing like a feature on 16 minutes or something like that. This was, I think when she was on Broadway and that show that she did with uh, Zachary Levi, she loves me. And it it was, they were doing sort of like, where did she come from sort of thing. And so like uh, she was filming this at the barn theater in Montville, New Jersey, which is not far from where I live. And a friend of mine mentioned it because uh, he was working the box office that day. I I happened to be home that day, and I had a uh, caricature that I'd done of Jane Krakowski on a mock comic book cover I'd done uh, that was, me. was parodying 30 Rock. So I went to give her a print of that and got some pictures with, of her with that. And I, I should post those uh, on the SNL Nerds Facebook page. So I got to meet Jane Krakowski. She was very nice. I gave her a few extra copies to give to the 30 rock cast members that she is still in touch with.
0: Oh, fantastic. That sounds great.
1: So like the people, the people that are local, like, uh, right. Like, uh, uh Tracy Morgan and, uh, Judah Friedlander, world Got champion it. of the world. And Sports. I, I can't remember. She said if I gave her one to give to Tina Fey or not, I don't know. I, I remember that... Tracy and, and Judah's name it's coming up. So. All
0: right. Wow. Look at you meeting the, meeting the stars, meeting the stars.
1: And, and, Like I had my friend take like three pictures of us together and you can tell that like she is a professional Hollywood actor person. I am just a schlub. I look pretty much like the same in all three photos because but she has the sense to like change her expression and her pose slightly. So it's like, oh, yeah, you can tell which one of these two people has done tons of photo shoots. (laughs) She's not new to this. She is. No, not her first rodeo. This, however, was her first rodeo because film debut.
0: Uh-huh absolutely. oh, bringing it back so
1: so yeah and and the the kid playing the son Dale, I think he's I remember seeing this kid pop up in a lot of uh, movies and things in the 80s. Um, okay. I'm gonna look up his name real fast so
0: okay all right
1: but uh yeah so like I was get- T Navin Jr. so oh. don't yeah,
0: not familiar. But well, I, I mean, I just do... let's, let's go to
1: his IMDb listing because, well, I want to figure out where I know this kid from.
0: Let's go to the videotape. I mean, I do like also how, like, as they get to the place, the uh, the kids kind of break off and hang out with the their country cousins. Uh, yeah. We see, like, we see um, the daughter Audrey go off with cousin Vicky, and apparently, Vicky is alluding to the fact that she, she may have kissed her dad. At some point. Yeah, she's
1: she says, like, uh, she's bragging that she is French-kissed. Uh, Audrey not impressed. She says, oh, big deal, everyone has. And then Vicky says, yeah, but Dad says I'm the best at it. So there you go. All right. There's some stuff going on in Cousin Eddie's household. Uh, by the way, John P. Navin Jr. just looked it up. Uh, I think where I know him from, he, he does sitcom in 1983 called Jennifer Slept Here. Uh, oh, yeah, we- I remember that. You remember that? It was like Ann Jillian is like a dead movie star who yeah. was mentor she was like haunting her old mansion or house and she was mentoring this kid for some reason. Again, 80s were weird. Cocaine was prevalent. Um I don't know what what that was all about, but yeah, that's where I know that kid from.
0: Yeah, I, I, I swear like it, it's like that's one of those sitcoms where you think you're you made it up in your head because you never hear anybody else talk about it. You don't yeah. you can't really find any information at all online, but like I swear this was the thing. But yeah, yeah, I remember Jennifer slept here. Just I don't know. But it was you it was describe
1: bizarre. it to someone and it sounds like a fever dream because it only ran for a year, never reached syndication or anything. But I remember watching that. I had I had a little crush on, on Angeline. A total of thirteen episodes, but I watched this damn thing as a kid. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because it was like a, like you said, the ghost of a starlet trying to help, like, um, like a young teenage boy who's like the only one that could yeah. see her. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess it's, it was, yeah, the, the more I say it, the more weird it sounds.
1: The 80s were wild, man. <laughs> the 80s were freaking wild.
0: Shit was crazy, dog.
1: Georgia Engel from Mary Tyler Moore was in this. Glenn Scarpelli. Uh,. The Glenn Scarpelli? Glenn Scarpelli was in this show.
0: Holy Toledo. (laughs) Gee whiz. whiz. They've Um, they've got an
1: ad for this on IMDb. It says, does Jennifer stand a ghost of a chance when a playboy comes back to haunt her? So apparently they had other ghosts in other episodes. Um,
0: Oh, wow. Really really exploring the universe or expanding the universe.
1: They really are. They, They really are. There's, there's another episode. Joey has Jennifer in a jar. <laughs> what? A phony exorcism backfired. Can Joey save the beautiful ghost from life in a mason jar? Why did they have to throw in that
0: she's beautiful? That, that's,
1: that's, like, don't forget. No, I, think that, I think that was their main selling point for this sitcom. Was like,
0: Angelian <laughs> was a popular
1: star at the time. So it was like kind of a star vehicle for her. I guess this was after she did Making a Living. Uh, Yeah,
0: I guess so. I guess it was like, don't forget, guys, she's hot. We got a hot woman in here.
1: There's another ad. Somebody apparently scanned a bunch of TV Guide ads for this sitcom. Joey faces the crisis of his life. Can Jennifer help? And it says, you'll laugh through your tears at this very touching episode. So apparently they did a very special episode of Jennifer's (laughs) left here. It was the '80s, man. We... About the the ghost of the Hollywood starlet mentoring like, the young
0: teenage boy. We can't we can't just have this be about like a ghost trying to help a teenage boy, you know, get his nut off. We have to have a message here. Okay, these ads are
1: hilarious. I am going to have to tweet these. These these are the best things I have ever seen in my life.
0: Um, oh, the rabbit holes we go down. On this
1: line, yes they? but oh, oh my god worthwhile
0: <laughs> absolutely
1: Here, here's a tagline for for the premiere with a ghost like jennifer comedy is alive and kicking <laughs> <laughs> and it's got and this is not a photo this is this is uh, the, an artist was paid to to do this art it's got uh john p Navin as the teenage boy and his he's his shirt is off, but his he's got the bed covers pulled up like, oh, someone's seeing me partially undressed who's not supposed to be seeing me. And then we've got Angelian in like this Marilyn Monroe type of sequin gown with a feather boa, but she's ghostly so you can see through her. <laughs> so, wow, we... Oh, boy,
0: this is I'm I'm honestly
1: now impressed that this thing made it to 13
0: episodes. <laughs> It's, uh, wow.
1: <laughs> Here's another tagline. Jennifer Farrell, once you've met her, you'll never give up the ghost.
0: Give up the ghost. Okay. All right. So, I mean, that's get it because she's a ghost. So You don't want to give her up.
2: That's, you that's don't want to give her
1: up. Never going to give her up. Never going to let her down.
0: Never going to run
1: around mm. and desert her.
0: Nice. She's no stranger to love. Yeah.
1: Uh, So anyway, uh, Dale (laughs) teaches Rusty how to masturbate, and Vicky gets Audrey high for the first time.
0: Yes. So that's 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 what happens there. Yeah, and uh, then we're also introduced to uh, Aunt Edna in in this uh, when they visit the cousins' house too, played by uh, Imogene Coca, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Imogene Coca from. Best known for her work with Sid Caesar, she was on uh, your show of shows with him,
0: I believe. Mm, absolutely, and uh, yeah, so we find out that Aunt Edna actually came out to where they live from Phoenix to sort of help. He traveled
1: out, out. and Edna did not come out and announce that she was gay.
0: Yeah, oh, sorry, that's what I meant. Yes, yeah. she she traveled out to yes. to to the family because apparently. Uh, you know, cousin, the cousins are, are on a hard financial times and, uh, we, we learned that, yeah, like if it wasn't for Anetna's, um, social security, they wouldn't be able to make it. We also see like them having like a little cookout in the backyard where they're literally just making hamburgers with hamburger helper. No, no, no
1: meat.
0: That's, that's a, that's a rich man's luxury.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, like, uh, I, I don't know why they call this hamburger helper. It's fine just by itself. And he's like, I think it's much better than than the tuna helper. So <laughs> and and Clark's kind of balking at this, and but Ellen's like, Well, you get plenty of meat at home, dear. Uh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imogene Coca, she plays Aunt Edna, who's who's this very unpleasant older woman.
0: Uh and, yeah, she's uh, a, she's a cranky old bird.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and then
0: uh,
1: uh, Eddie and and Catherine kind of spring this on them. They're like, "You're gonna get to drive her to Phoenix,
0: yay!" Yeah. <laughs> Literally at the last minute, they're like, "Oh yeah, you're gonna you're gonna drive her back home to Phoenix. Thank you for that. All right, bye." <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, by the way, I just found a quote uh, from uh, Mark Evanier's website, newsfromme.com. Uh, this was a uh, an obituary that he wrote when Imogene Coca died in 2001 at the age of 92. Wow. Uh, So she, man, she was around for a good long time. Um, And, and like the last few years of her life, I think there was a whole generation that probably only knew her from this film. Um, And uh, (laughs) he he talks, Mark Evanier, he writes about uh, spending the day with her one day and he says, uh, we stopped in front of a video store where there was a display from the vacation movie, and she said, you know, I don't remember a thing about making that film, and when I saw it, I didn't have any idea what was going on. I died in it, and it was supposed to be funny. I don't think that's funny. Oh so, not <laughs> memory for Imogene Coca.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> well, it's uh,
1: a different generation of comedy. I mean, the yeah. National Lampoon... Style of comedy that's it's much more outrageous, much darker than anything they did. Uh, but I get it, yeah. But I, I get yeah. it. like
0: it's like oh, you guys find jokes, humor in a uh, oh, old old ladies dying. <laughs> yep. All right. Okay. And
1: National Lampoon was like, yes, very much so.
0: <laughs> it's hilarious.
1: Drag okay. on the joint. Yeah. Line of yeah. cocaine.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because you're dead. Yeah. And nice uh. <laughs> so uh so yeah so um it looks like they have to take on Edna to Phoenix mm-hmm. and they also apparently have to take her badass dog with them as well
1: dinky yes dinky
0: yes it's, uh, it's a dog that just no one likes uh, eats eats everything up and it's bites um, people yeah and bites people Absolutely.
1: yep yeah I mean they do not waste any time uh, with Aunt Edna or her dog being pleasant at all, <laughs> and yeah. i I think that was very intentional because uh spoiler alert they 're killing both of them off before the end of the
2: film
0: yes, absolutely they they are gone like uh we 'll yeah. get to it, but yeah, like basically Aunt Edna goes you know dies uh little miss sunshine style like all she the road. she
1: dies hard uh yes,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh by which I mean that uh she Kills Hans Gruber at Nakatomi yes. Plaza. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so after they take up uh, Aunt Edna, uh, we see the the Griswolds at a rest stop, and uh, Clark runs into Christy Brinkley's character again. Um, and she's like filling up her Ferrari, and she is like literally dancing next to her car, like she's in a commercial.
0: See, this is this another thing that makes me think he's, like, hallucinating seeing her, because, like, no one, yeah. like, well, for one thing, who, who does that? I don't know. People are just beautiful she, and happy with their lives. I,
1: I guess, maybe.
0: I don't. It was just
1: so weird. I was like, I mean, if she was doing a photo shoot or something, I could see her dancing next to her car and be like, yay, I'm having a great time filling up my car with gas. Yeah. And yeah. and Clark is like kind of dancing back at her. Apparently, this was this was improvised on set. Yeah, she's,
0: um, you know, she's dancing, filling up her car like a Zoolander. <laughs>
1: yeah, when if you... she had a gas fight like in Zoolander, that might make more sense.
0: <laughs> Very Zoolander esque.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's they're they're continuing this flirtation flirtation thing, and. And again, I just don't see the appeal for her Christine Brinkley. It's like, ooh, suburban dad in a members only jacket with his family in tow. Gotta get me some of that. Hot. And uh, you're absolutely right. This would make so much more sense it was if it was just Clark's imagination.
0: Yeah, like that would be, because like he's all pent up, you know, because he didn't get his Yeah. On. And so he just sees this beautiful woman everywhere he goes and thinks, you know, what if?
2: That yeah, would,
0: it would make a lot more sense.
1: It would make so much more sense. <laughs> but no, apparently this was literally true because yeah, it, it's got to be literally true from what we see in the movie later.
0: Um, oh, and the, and
1: and the dog peed on the sandwiches, so we we get a some uh, gross out humor in there too.
0: Uh-huh. Eww. Eww. Dog-, dog pee, hilarious.
1: You know, it's like and nobody, and you're like you don't smell that
0: at all really
1: yeah you like just a... bite into the wet sandwich
0: yeah and I it mean... takes you a few bites to figure that out okay all right yeah i mean not for nothing but pee smells you you know pee when you pee has an odor yeah i mean don't eat i'm i'm not even talking about the asparagus stuff i'm talking about just regular run of the mill you know dime a dozen pee
1: yeah yeah and you are holding these sandwiches in your bare hands. I'm, I'm just saying that this is not a joke that holds up to any kind
2: of scrutiny.
0: As soon as you touch the sandwich, you're like, hey, whoa, wait a minute. This is I sopping mean, wet. If you have any kind of sandwich and it is not a
1: French dip sandwich, it is yeah. not okay for it to be wet. Exactly. Even sloppy joes are dry. Yeah, Exactly. A, a fringe dip is the the only time it is remotely okay for you to have a wet sandwich.
0: <laughs> here, here.
1: All right. So anyway, they they go to uh, this campground called Camp Comfort with two K's. Mm. Uh, yes, and we get from... another SNL alum in there, Brian Doyle Murray.
0: Right. Yeah, they're in uh, Colorado at this point.
1: Colorado. And... That was it. Okay.
0: Yeah, and uh, we we see uh, you know Bill's Billy's brother Brian. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, then they, they spend the night in some tents. Uh, the kids yeah. are happy to see a pool there. It's like, oh, they got a pool. Awesome. Kids go to yeah. the pool. Pool is filthy with two geese uh, floating in it.
1: Yeah, so no pool. Um, yeah, this place is kind of a tourist trap.
0: Um, yeah. Bit of a dumpero.
1: And, uh, by the way, it costs them uh, $37 to get uh, three tents in 1983 dollars um and let me let me check for what the value of that was uh, according to the dollartimes.com uh, in today's uh currency adjusted for inflation that would be the equivalent of $105.69 so that's still not too bad <laughs> it, yeah it honestly doesn't sound like that much i mean they're bad tents but I don't, I don't think they're getting gouged as much as they could. I don't know. Well, whatever. Oh boy. Anyway, so uh, Clark tries to have sexy times with Ellen again, and then the dog disrupts them. Apparently, uh, this was another thing where they rewrote it. Uh, there was originally going to be a sequence where the owner of the campground, Brian Doyle Murray's character, disrupted he, he was like dressing up as wildlife
0: right yeah he was, he was supposed to dress up as a bear and scare them because like i yeah. think he hints that you know the price includes a lot of you know wildlife fun or something right so i guess that the wildlife fun includes dressing up as a bear and scaring the bejesus out of your customers
1: yeah that sounds more like his thing that sounds like his <laughs> little personal fetish um
0: that's how he gets his nut off.
1: <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm not I'm not kink-shaming. You do what you gotta do as long as you have the consent of all parties involved. All right. Go nuts.
0: He's a furry. He's one of the earliest furries. I
1: think he is sure. a furry. Brian Doyle Murray is playing a furry in this. They cut that scene out, but he's still a furry. Let's be real here.
0: Brian Doyle furry. <laughs> Brian Doyle furry. <laughs>
1: Perfect. Perfect. Done um <laughs> oh. so so they're leaving the campground the dog is still going nuts the next morning uh clark he t- he ties the, the the pooch to the the rear bumper
0: of the station wagon yeah as soon as he did that i was like I, I think i know where this is going
1: this is not gonna end well no no
0: no it's no. not
1: it is and yeah they're back on the road uh Clark's like, what is that rattle? I've been hearing that rattle for a while. What is going on? And then he gets pulled over by, by a motorcycle cop. And the I, cop is just enraged at him.
0: Right. Absolutely. As you should be. Cause like, he asks him to like, get the car, get out of the car. And I think he yeah. immediately says, like, if I, like, if I wasn't a cop, I'd smack you over the head with the butt of my gun. Like he, he right. threatens him immediately. And, immediately.
1: Uh, right out of the gate. Um, and and you're watching that and you're like, is is this movie made in 2022? Oh shit. Tell him. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, no, because he would do that in uniform here. Now, so yeah. Oh,
0: damn. <laughs> oh shit. Trumbull's woke.
1: <laughs> Let him know what's up. T- from the police.
0: Um Let him know what's up, JT. <laughs>
1: Tell him what time it is. But, but yeah, the, we find out the reason the cop is enraged. He pulls up an empty dog collar with a leash attached, and then Clark instantly realizes, oh shit, I never untied the dog from the bumper and put him back in the car. And I've inadvertently been dragging this dog behind us for however many miles it's been.
0: Yeah, like, did no one in the car notice the dog wasn't there anymore? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> No, anybody this, was like... this
1: again. This comes straight from the short story. Um, okay, there is more description of what the corpse of the dog looked like. Oh God, yeah, but it's a short story. It's not illustrated, so it's just left to your imagination. In a movie, I think very right not to show the dog carcass. Yeah, and just leave it to your imagination.
0: I thought that was a smart move too. And they actually had like a good exchange between the cop and um, and Clarky. Mm-hmm they had this one joke i thought was like the funniest joke in the movie where the cop said do you know what yeah. the penalty is for for animal cruelty in the state and, mm-hmm. and Clark is like no no i don't and he's like well it's probably pretty steep
1: yeah yeah the cop has no idea either um it's <laughs> i think the actor's name was uh, james Keach, if i have that right um
0: yeah that was actually pretty i actually liked that that the little back and forth they had i thought it was pretty funny
1: yeah yeah he's um he plays that role well. Yeah, I mean, he's got... It's just one scene, but he's got a lot of notes to play. And it is... It is it is pretty funny. I think it's a little handicapped because, like... Chevy Chase, he never really plays anything for real. He's hes always got at least a couple levels of irony that he's right. operating under. It might yeah. have been better if he'd played it more real, I think. But... Oh,
0: yeah, I can see that. But, but also, Chevy's going to Chevy. Chevy's going to Chevy. I also like, like, at the end... He, um you know he gave him back the he gave him back the leash in front of the family saying uh, here's the leash sir I'm gonna go get the rest of the carcass off the road
2: yeah yeah
1: they, I mean they're trying to play it like they're trying not to let on to Aunt Edna because they're like well why horrify her why give this horrible woman any extra ammunition against us and and yeah, yeah. so Ellen Ellen of course who realizes what happens <laughs> and the kids who realize what happened, Aunt Edna doesn't realize what happened, and and Aunt Edna thinks that Clark's just been pulled over for speeding. And
0: right, absolutely. But uh, then after
1: that, it's dog killer.
0: Yeah, because he did indeed kill a dog. So
1: did indeed kill a dog. Um,
0: no animals were so harmed, think. we think. Maybe in the making.
1: Maybe him. I don't know. We, yeah, we let's go under the the closing credits and yeah, find out. Uh, uh, I don't think they killed a dog. I'd like to think they didn't kill a dog, but it's I, 1983, so who the hell knows?
0: I mean, look, National Lampoon did pull a, a gun on a go- on a dog on the cover of one of their magazines. That's so.
1: true. That is one of the most that is the most famous National Lampoon cover. If you don't buy this magazine, we will shoot this dog.
0: So uh, I don't know. They're not above putting down a pooch for for comedy. That's all. I'm saying.
1: Well, threatening to kill a pooch. <laughs> all right.
0: All right. Let's all right. Let's get into semantics. All right.
1: I don't think they literally killed that dog on that <laughs> magazine cover. Because if they did, that seems unnecessary. Mm.
0: Your Honor, we only threatened to kill that dog. so
1: We only put a, that gun against that dog's temple to get that <laughs> weird expression.
0: Yeah, and
1: it is a hilarious cover. i, I got to give it to him.
0: Now. <laughs> Your you Honor, know. in our defense, it is pretty hilarious to see a gun.
1: It is hilarious. Um, go Google that cover. <laughs> National Lampoon dog cover. Uh, you will not be sorry.
0: I know. Um, Uh, So at this point, they're lost in, uh, they get lost in Arizona.
1: They mm
0: -hmm. took a a, a wrong turn. They're looking for the Grand Canyon. Right. Um, uh, Well, we
1: we also have, right before this, we've got a third encounter with a woman in Ferrari when everyone else is asleep. So again, still conceivably could be a figment of Clark's imagination. And we have a thing where they lose some of the luggage from the back of the car. So uh, Ellen loses her vanity case. Her credit cards and her diaphragm.
0: Ooh, oh boy!
1: Which I guess is going to be another reason that she doesn't sleep with her husband on this trip, I or something. Guess. But the, the credit cards come into play later,
0: right? Absolutely. Look.
1: so, it'll all come so in... go on. They're looking for the Grand Canyon in Arizona,
0: right? And I think uh, we see Ellen and Clark get into a little bit of a of an argument because mm-hmm. I think at one point Clark says, oh, "How hard could it be to find it? It's the biggest hole." It's one of the biggest holes in the world, and then I think right. Aunt Edna berates him, and then he says, "Well, the second biggest hole."
1: Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, it's funny because he hates he hates Aunt Edna.
0: Uh-huh. Women be women be nagging, am I right, boys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and then at this point, we see they got lost, and then I think the daughter says, "Hey, I think I saw some you know de- detour signs. Like, I don't think we should be on this road." And then if Chevy says, Well, I didn't see any signs. Like if there was a rose closed detour sign, there'd be a big one up, like this one here. Oh no! Right. And of course it's a big sign saying road closed, they smash right through it. They uh, fly like fifty feet in the air, I believe. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and crash in the in the middle of nowhere in Arizona.
1: Yeah. And I think I think this was shot at like Monument Valley, it looks like. It looks like Monument Valley from all those John Ford westerns.
0: It looks like it looks like I, I don't know what Monument Valley is, but I'll take your word for it.
1: I well, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure. Okay, let me let
2: me see.
1: talk a little more while I Google this because I'm now very curious if this is uh, Monument Valley or not.
0: Okay, uh, so yeah, so at this point, the car is totaled. All f- all four tires are flat. It uh, looks like the front end is all smashed in. It's actually pretty impressive when you see it. It looks like you know, no no uh special effects done here. It's all uh. So, so the real I mean, games. it's
1: it's 1983, baby. They they did that shit for real.
0: It's like we're smashing cars. If the Blues Brothers yep. can do it, so can we.
1: <laughs> it is Monument Valley, Monument Valley, Arizona. That's I mean, pretty much any Hollywood Western was shot at Monument Valley. So,
0: oh wow, pretty, all right, fantastic. Yep. Uh, yep.
1: I mean, yeah. they 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 did do like pretty much every location in this movie. They went to for real. I mean, and they went to a lot of different states. The camp comfort stuff was shot in Colorado, it looks like, uh, and they 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 shot a lot of stuff in Arizona. And they actually went to the Grand Canyon. There, there was a lot of, I think, second unit shots in particular
0: here. So oh, wow. fantastic. Yeah. Okay, pretty cool. So uh, at this point, the family is lost. They're in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Running Mm -hmm. low in money, Uh, but Clark still has this optimistic uh, way about him saying, oh, yeah, I'll just walk out in the desert and, uh, you know, find the next, uh, you know, gas stop. Can't be too far. (laughs) Can't be too far. It's only going to be, I'll be back in an hour. (laughs) Yeah. But I do like, um, just before he leaves, he has like a little heart-to-heart talk with Rusty. You know, yeah, saying you know, like, you're going to be the man of the of the place while I'm gone. So you know what to have. To, and, yeah. like, you know, and and Rusty
1: has a great line that's like a callback to earlier in the film. And Rusty goes, "Well, I've only been a man for a few days, Dad," and that's <laughs> that's of course a callback to his cousin Dale teaching him how to pleasure himself.
0: Yeah, Bop the Baloney, I believe they call
1: him. <laughs> <laughs> Bop the Baloney, because he's he's got a stack of nudie books this high.
0: Hmm. I, I even liked it when <laughs> and, he was when they showed him with like the grips like the finger grip, uh, thing to like, you know, make his, his grip strong.
1: Oh, jeez, I didn't, I didn't catch that.
0: Yeah. You can see it. Cousin Dale has like a, one of those finger grip things that like, you know, they do, like, you know, like
1: weightlifters have.
0: Yeah, exactly. So he's, he's been at this for a minute. He
1: He's, he's doing his exercises so he can get the maximum, uh, yes. whatever. <laughs> 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 but yeah. But it, but it's a cute scene where, uh, Clark's trying to have a heart to heart with his son, and he 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 gives his beer over to Rusty, to you know because that's something his dad did for him at his age. And and Rusty, while Clark is talking, just chugs the whole beer.
0: Yeah, chugs the whole damn thing.
1: Um, no, I no, think I'm... that I think that's the best scene in the film. Personally, I think that that is the funniest scene in the film because uh, Chevy Chase and Anthony Michael Hall, in particular, play the hell out of it.
0: Yeah, I think it's like a pretty that is a pretty solid scene too. That's like my, one of my second yeah. favorite scenes. I also like, like you. Clark. You
1: watch the scene and you're like, "This is why Anthony Michael Hall was like such hot shit in the mid '80s," because he was he was really good. He was a good child actor, man.
0: Yeah, just like right off the rip, he he had it down packed I also like the little thing yeah. they did where Clark just like casually puts on his glasses as he talks uh-huh. to him, but then like as he keeps talking, you see the glasses are broken, and then like mm-hmm. they're broken in half. It's like one half just straight up falls off his face and then the other half falls, but he just keeps talking. They don't even make mention of it. Yeah. That's a
1: very Chevy chase sort of thing. That's, that's like Chevy chase's version of subtlety.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Chevy's going to Chevy.
1: And, and for the rest of the movie, he's got the tape on the middle of his glasses. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think, I think that's definitely the best scene in the film. So, so Clark runs off to find a gas station. Uh, He takes, And he eventually finds a garage, but then the family is already back there because they, right after Clark left, they ran into uh, some Native American folks who were there. This was apparently in another deleted scene, and then they took them to the garage. So,
0: right, apparently they met up with uh, a Native, like you said, two Native Americans. They still make it in the movie because like the Native Americans see Clark walk across the desert with, like, you know, I think at one point he it gets so hot he hallucinates and puts his pants on his head for cooling and of course they call him an Weird. asshole and uh yeah so then the family says oh yeah we met up these nice uh native americans well they didn't say native americans it said the other word and it was 1983
1: so they yeah yeah
0: and apparently they had a camel with them as well yeah, yeah.
1: again I, apparently there was more to this but they just cut it down to them because they said i, I was reading on the imdb trivia the camel they had had was raised in Burbank, so he had only walked on pavement and did not react well to to walking on hot sand.
0: Sorry, right, so the camel didn't like his natural habitat.
1: I mean, the camel was being a prima donna. It sounds like. Um,
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, excuse me. I'm a sidewalk camel. I'm not used to yeah. all this hot sand. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can you talk to my agent about this, please? Thank you. Yeah,
1: yeah, just not, not not good. So anyway, so so he's reunited with the family at the garage. The the garage guys are very shady. They take all of Clark's remaining five hundred dollars for the for the tow and the repairs.
0: Yeah. So now the family is flat broke.
1: Flat broke. Uh, Next scene, Clark's like, hey, Audrey, give me your babysitting money. (laughs) Uh, And and then they get to a hotel at the Grand Canyon, uh, but they can't get a room because their credit card had been their credit cards have been reported stolen. And, And Clark's talking to the guy at the desk. He's like, oh, well, no, no. That was my wife's cards that were stolen. I still have mine. But obviously the credit card company misunderstood and they. So anyway, they can they they have no no cash and so Clark is at the end of his rope and he steals money from the cash register
0: at the hotel. Right. Yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do, my friend. Sometimes you gotta break the law. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, at this point, I think I think this is the point where Clark says, Hey, look in uh, on his purse while she's sleeping and uh, yeah. you know see how much money she has. She only has like 13 cents. And then they say, oh, yeah. you should wake her up anyway because it's time for her to take her pills. And uh, it turns out um, Aunt Edna has gone to the uh, eternal sleep. Because, yeah. uh... Oh,
1: uh, By the way, before we get too deep into the Aunt Edna death thing, I do like that there's a quick thing when uh, Clark is trying to make a quick getaway after stealing the money from the hotel.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty hilarious. Uh,
1: Ellen is like admiring the view at the Grand Canyon. And Clark is like, okay, come on, honey, let's go, let's go. And she's like, well, Clark, don't you want to look at the Grand Canyon? And he's like, oh, yeah. And then he, like, stands and looks at it with her for, like, literally two seconds. And then he's like, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> and I love that they actually went to the Grand Canyon for that gag, because that yeah. could not have been cheap. Yeah, that's what I'm
0: saying. It's like
1: I, I just I just love the, the idea of them going to the Grand Canyon and, and doing, like, Less than 30 seconds shooting the Grand Canyon. That's hilarious. It's
0: all for the joke. It's all for the joke.
1: It's all for the joke. It's all for the joke. So anyway, uh, Aunt Edna dead, passed away somewhere near Flagstaff.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah, so then they decide to drop her off with uh, cousin Normie, who who lives in Phoenix. Uh, mm-hmm. They get there, and, like, and I think at the time, because the kids didn't want to be in a car with a dead person, they're like, oh, we could just strap her to the hood. Like you know, we're almost there. What's it, you know, it'll be it'll be fine. Well, it's not like it's but they raise. they
1: end up putting her on the roof because you know the hood would be inhumane. Oh
0: right, yeah, that's that's what hunters do. Sorry, <laughs> on the, on the roof of the cars, and they say, well, yeah, I mean, they just
1: we'll... dis- they discuss putting her
0: on the hood. Yeah, it's a possibility. <laughs> yeah, but then they put her on the roof of the car and they say, hey, what's the worst that can happen? it's, like, it's not like it's going to rain or anything, and of course, yeah. it immediately it's a downpour of rain.
2: Right.
1: And uh, but they've at least thrown something over the body, so yeah, respectful. respectful and and thank God we're we're not asking the actual Imagine Coca to like <laughs> sit on the roof of a car and get rained on.
0: Yikes.
1: <laughs> so so they end up dropping Aunt Edna's body tied to a lawn chair on the patio at her son Normie's house in Phoenix, Arizona. And because Normie is out of town for some Arbitrary BS reason, they just leave a note there with her body. Like, sorry, we'll call later.
0: (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Condolences. Yeah, and uh, at this point, everybody is pretty much like testy, on edge, and just like done with it. Like, I think Ellen's like,
1: if if we just went home, I wouldn't mind a bit. This trip has been a disaster in every sense of the word. Let's just cut our losses and go home,
0: right? Like the like the daughter wants to go home, the son wants to go home. They get like, yeah, the thing's been a bust, and this is at this point, like uh, Clark kind of snaps, and I believe he says uh, the famous words, uh, "What do he say? I think have you all lost? Are you all fucked in the head? We're like ten fucking we're ten hours away from the fucking part. I I thought that was hilarious because like throughout the whole movie. Uh, Clark doesn't curse really at all. So to have him mm-hmm. come out saying, are you all fucked in the head? What the fuck? Like that. I think that yeah. hit hit it a little bit home a little bit harder.
1: He, he's dropping some F-bombs. Yes.
0: Yes. It's potty yes. mouth.
1: Um, yeah. And he's like, yeah, we are only 10 hours away from Wally world. Uh, and he, he, is just bound and determined to take his family there no matter what. And, and make the most of the three days they have left. Right. And the, the whole reason he drops off Aunt Edna is because he he doesn't want to spend the last three days of his his vacation <laughs> dealing with like the legalities of having a dead body and a funeral and all
2: that. Yeah, it's,
1: just, it's a whole thing. No, no, no. Her dying would be too much of a time suck. Let's <laughs> let's just continue on to the amusement park. This, yeah. now, like you do.
0: Yeah. This- Why should should a death get in the way of a good time? That's all I'm saying.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, So, yeah, Clark understandably gets into a fight with Ellen at at the motel. This is the point in the movie where Ellen's hair has inexplicably changed to a new hairstyle. Yeah, (laughs) you do. Maybe it's the humidity. I I don't know. I mean, maybe it's supposed to be the humidity, but no. It, it her hair has has just gone from straight to curly, and I I don't know if like Beverly D'Angelo like booked another job before they shot the end of this movie or what. But it's weird.
0: It's very possible.
1: Um. So so Clark storms out of the room. He goes to the motel bar. And he once yeah. again, lo and behold, runs into Christy Brinkley.
0: Yeah, like, and before this, he looks like he's like sitting down next to other women, trying to chat them up. He's like, "Oh, is he is he looking to hook up?" Interesting.
1: I don't know because like they don't, you don't hear what is being said, but you get the feeling that Clark is just being awkward and weird with a variety of people at this motel bar.
0: Uh, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, yeah, I
1: I think we all have been. Oh, indeed. But yeah, so he runs into Christy Brinkley, woman in the Ferrari again. I'm just going to call her Christy Brinkley. It's easier.
0: Yeah. That's fine.
1: (laughs) And he starts, he's trying to impress her still, and he he lies his ass off and he's like, oh, no, actually, I own this motel and this entire chain, and I just travel around the country inspecting it once a year. And this is my brother's family that I'm traveling with, so I (laughs) look normal.
0: Yeah. And like, uh, like at one point, he, he, she sees the wedding ring on his finger and is like, oh, there's my brother's ring. Yeah. Which uh, it's a funny and line. And
1: you can't quite tell if she's buying
0: it or if she's just humoring him. I don't know. It's a, it's a little weird. It's a little vague. Yeah, I just got the impression it's like, oh, yeah, he seems, it seems like a fun thing to do. Maybe, I, yeah. That's how I took it. It's like, oh, this, you know, this guy seems like good for a laugh.
1: I guess, it, yeah, it's just like, oh, well, I want to hook up with Chevy Chase Sex God. Yes. And I don't care the whys and wherefores. I just I just need to get some of that sweet, sweet Chevy Chase loving. Mm. Got to chase after that chase. I mean, because I, I don't know who People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive was in 1983. I'm guessing it wasn't Chevy Chase, but you wouldn't know it by this movie.
0: He's, he's he's hot stuff, ladies. You want that chase? On, <laughs> he's hot stuff. You want that chase on your face?
1: <laughs> you have not had loving like 1983 Chevy Chase loving. <laughs> right,
0: that's right. Um. So yeah,
1: like they're walking out by the 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 motel pool, and they're talking, and then Christy Brinkley is like coming onto him, and and she's like, yeah, let's let's just. Take it, and she, like, takes off her dress and she's
0: stripping in front of him.
1: <laughs> it's so weird.
0: Yeah, because, like, she only goes down to the uh, her underwear. And, like, from what I read on but, IMDb is they wanted yeah. her to go full, uh, you know, il flagrante delecto, but uh, right. she, she refused.
1: Well, you know, because it's 1983 and God knows we haven't had enough gratuitous nudity in this movie. But, yeah, right. Christy Brinkley to was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'll... I'll do my underwear because that's like next best thing to a bikini. And, you know, that's that's what I done. But yeah, we're, you don't need me to make it in this thing.
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> we don't need it.
1: But. But, but I think it speaks well of Christy Brinkley that she was just like, no, I'm not going to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, good honor.
1: <laughs> good on her. And then Chevy Chase is trying to get on her. Uh, hey, <laughs> so Chevy Chase strips down and he dives into the pool after her. And then he is startled by how cold the water is. But it didn't bother Christy Brinkley at all.
0: Yeah, that is that is weird. <laughs> she just jumped in and it was fine. And Susan- I guess
1: she just wanted Chevy Chase so badly. She's so hot and bothered by the thought of getting with Chevy Chase. Right. That She's- she is not bothered by the cold water.
0: She's so in heat that her heat turned the cold water warm.
1: There's, there's water boiling around her body, yes. Mm.
0: That pool became a um, hot tub. <laughs> and-
1: and he yells so loud that he wakes up the whole motel. Everybody comes out of their rooms.
0: Yeah, including... And, and this is where I, I was like, all right, everybody else can see her too, so she's not like Tyler Durden. Like, she's a real person.
1: Right, yeah. This pretty much confirms that that Christy Brinkley's character is a real, live, flesh-and-blood woman, as unlikely as it seems.
0: Right. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, so everybody in the hotel sees them in the pool, including... Uh, Clark's kids and uh, the wife Ellen, and it's, yeah. uh, it's just bad news bears all around.
1: It 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 very much is, and and strangely, there are two naked people in the pool, and then everyone just kind of goes back into their hotel rooms.
0: Yeah, I, I'm assuming just to uh, you know, pleasure themselves after that hot. hot <laughs> 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 well, it's it, it it's just weird. I it's like.
1: I mean, not to be creepy, McCreeperton, but I probably would have stood stood around gawking a little longer. You know? Yeah,
0: I, I mean, it is Chevy Chase, so I get it. I, get I mean, it it's
1: nineteen eighty three, sex god Chevy Chase, so yeah, you you want to sneak a peek?
0: I mean, the, the is man what is, I'm saying. The man is just smoldering in sexuality.
1: You want to see what Chevy's packing?
0: Indeed, <laughs> you want to.
1: I mean, that is why he says I'm Chevy Chase and you're not. I
0: mean, because. He's got it going on. Yeah, you want to drive that Chevy? Um,
1: But yeah, so so yeah, Clark he swims over to naked Ferrari lady, and says, "I actually do have a family," and she's like, "Uh, "Yeah, I kind of (laughs) figured." I I I saw through that ruse, sir. She's like, "Yeah, I kind of caught on. I'm not a total idiot." Um, and then and then. Clark gets dressed apparently remarkably fast because he, he's he's up at the balcony with his son before anything.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, that was pretty quick.
1: <laughs> and he he's like, oh, yeah, that that woman I was in the pool naked with, uh, she was a swimming waitress. And I was I when I dove into the pool, I was just so startled that by the temperature that I yelled.
0: Yeah. And then and,
1: and then the swimming waitress came by and surprised me and I yelled. and.
0: Yeah. And then like Rusty said, oh, you think mom's going to buy that? Yeah. Okay. And and
1: again, Anthony Michael Hall plays it beautifully. I mean, it's, I, I do find it funny when a kid is playing uh, wise beyond their years. It's yeah, weird when it's like a really young kid, when it's like a kid who's under 10, but it's pretty funny when it's like a worldly teenager, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes it can be a little, I don't want to say obnoxious, but like a little, like trying too hard to be cutesy when that, when mm-hmm. that happens, but... Anthony Michael Hall, you know, hits just the right tone where he's like, He, he, he nails
2: it.
1: He, yeah.
0: Yeah. He's good stuff. Yeah.
1: Good actor. Good actor. Um, and so, yeah. And so, so Clark goes back into the hotel room and then he makes up with Ellen and then Ellen, as, as you do says like, well, I'm going to show my husband who I've now forgiven how wild and spontaneous I can be. So I'm going to go skinny dip in the pool.
0: Yeah, I thought she forgave him awfully quick.
1: She forgives him in like within thirty seconds. It is nuts.
0: It's like you just caught your husband in the pool with another naked woman about
1: That's- to cheat on you, literally seconds away from cheating on you. And yeah, but they've 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 re-fulfilled their marriage bond. And then yeah, when Ellen jumps in, she of course really cold water. She's like, Oh no. And then, you know, everybody rushes out of their rooms again. And when you see Audrey and Rusty back out, and now they're like kind of humiliated because their parents are there on the pool together. You see this blonde woman next to Rusty.
0: Right. Oh, did you you notice this? I did. And I, I just read about it like, like literally a minute or two ago, but yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's get into this.
1: It is so weird. Okay. Um, Yeah, it says here uh, on IMDb Trivia, there was a deleted scene scripted, probably filmed, but cut, in which Rusty is seduced by a prostitute at the final motel. Um, From simplyscripts.com, National Lampoon's Vacation, fourth draft, April 30th, 1982. It's immediately after Clark and Christy Brinkley were in the motel pool together. Exterior, motel balcony. Rusty, alone now, glances to his left and sees the hooker looking him over. Hooker! Hey, cowboy, want to have a party? Rusty, where? Hooker, in my bed! Rusty, who's coming? Hooker, just you. Rusty disappears into a room just as Clark rounds the corner. Uh, In the below scene, occurring a little later... Uh, is all that is actually seen of the hooker played by Tessa uh, Richard or Ricarde? I'm not sure how I pronounce her last name. It's like Richard with an e at the end. Exterior motel balcony. Audrey, Rusty, and the hooker watch in total amazement as Clark and Ellen smash ra- splash around in the pool, yelling <laughs> "Explosions!"
0: Smash around—that's a whole different
1: meaning. <laughs> yeah, th- th- that's that's another deleted scene where they're smashing around in the pool. No, they're splashing around in the pool, but. Uh, that actually sounds kind of funny. It sounds
0: really out there, but it sounds like it could be funny. Uh, it could I mean I don't know it's, it's underage sex with the prostitute? It, it could be funny. Yeah. but uh, I mean ooh. it's
1: it's definitely out there. It's definitely like in the National Lampoon vein of humor. Uh, but apparently in the rewrites of this film, they they really shifted the point of view from the kids to the parents because the the original. Short story, uh, Vacation 58, that is totally told from the point of view of the kids. Uh, oh, okay. So I I guess I see why they cut it. Um, but, I mean, I can see it working. Anthony Michael Hall could have carried this film. Yeah, I could see that.
0: He's, he's You know, he's I mean, well, all things
1: good. being equal, you don't need like a celebrity to, to bankroll your film. I, I totally get why they rewrote it for Chevy Chase. So Chevy Chase is the main guy, but it might be a more interesting film if if it was more from Anthony Michael Hall Rusty's point of view.
0: Maybe, yeah. Like it's like you said, yeah. He definitely had the charisma to carry it, and uh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely, I mean, there's a reason why we see more of him than we do the daughter because he's he definitely can pull it off a little bit more. Uh, next scene, we made it. We're here. We're in L.A. We made it to California. i Mm-hmm. And uh. Yeah, we, we finally made it to Wally World. We see Clark weeping with joy after all the insanity that the family's been through. Uh, first thing you notice, no other cars in the parking lot anywhere. Totally empty parking lot. Right. So Clark's like, oh, we must be the first ones here. Uh, I mean, not only do you see no cars, you don't, you see no people anywhere around. So they're like, oh, you know, I guess we're here early. Uh, so they parked the car, you know, as far as away from the entrance as possible so they could be like the first ones out because they're the first ones there they run towards the entrance of wally world chariots of fire uh theme song plays in the background
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah
0: yes this, this, is their, this is their big triumph they've they've won throughout all the odds they've they've beaten them right uh, Rusty's to... grown,
1: like, several inches because we we shot this months later.
0: Yes, absolutely. All that. And, uh, yeah, then we get to the front of the entrance of Wally World. Turns out the park's closed for two weeks. Park's or... closed. Yeah. Yep. For cleaning and repair.
1: Right. So that they can stay America's number one theme park. And then yeah. uh, shortly after, they have the automated message from the moose from... Uh, what is he called? Uh, Marty Moose, I think?
0: Yes, Marty Moose.
1: Yeah, Marty Moose. And, uh,
2: uh,
0: and
1: we have a security guard played by John Candy, the great John Candy, who comes out and and says, uh, sorry, folks, park's closed, Moose out front, should have told you. Great great line <laughs> of dialogue.
0: It's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah, and I think, uh, well, we'll get into it. But yeah, I think John Candy was added in at, with the, the reshoots here. But um mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Clark sees that he is defeated. Park's closed, and this is when he snaps and he, he rages on and says, like, no, no, we we made it all the way over here. We deserve to be in this park. Uh, Roy Wally owes us this. He owes us a, a day of fun in this park. Um, Roy
1: Wally, by the way, this world's equivalent of Walt Disney so.
0: Yeah. Yeah, who makes an appearance toward the end of this movie, looking exactly like Walt Disney, played by uh, yeah. Eddie Bracken, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah,
1: yeah, Eddie Bracken.
0: Yeah, yeah. When I saw him, I was like, "Oh, where do I know him from?" And like, I saw, like, you know, his IMDb credits, and he's done a ton of work. But the one thing I recognized him from was an episode of The Golden Girls where he played Buzz. That's where I know the great uh, Eddie Bracken from. Okay, yeah. yeah and
1: yeah. I'm sure no other credits before that.
0: Nope. That's all he's done. Just that one episode of where he oh, dated, he's done. He dated Rose. Uh so um, yeah. So uh, he said so, so, uh,
1: by the way, this this might be a good time to go into the original ending of the film, which is much closer was much closer to the ending of the original short story. Because if you remember back at the beginning of this episode, uh I talked about this, the you know, the first line. If dad hadn't shot Walt Disney in the leg, it would have been our best vacation ever. Um, So, yeah, the the story ends with them with uh, the dad getting a gun and then going to Walt Disney's house. He gets like a map to the stars homes and goes to Walt Disney's house and is threatening Walt Disney with a gun. Wow. (laughs) Because he is he is so enraged. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, so, um, so let's see. Towards the end of the story, Mom, Patty, Missy, Mark, and I were cleared of conspiracy charges. They held dad for attempted murder, assault with a deadly weapon, illegal use of a firearm, and two violations of the Beverly Hills noise code. He had to stay behind. We went home. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And the original ending of the film consisted of the Griswold family after seeing that Wally World is closed, going to the Hollywood house of Roy Wally. Clark points a BB gun at Wally, then forces him, a security guard, and Wally's business associates to sing and dance Wally World theme songs before the police arrive to arrest Clark. The girl in the red Ferrari arrives and turns out to be Wally's daughter, and she convinces him not to press charges against Clark. On the plane ride home, the Griswolds realize they are on the wrong flight. Clark snaps and hijacks the plane. This did not go over well with test audiences and scenes in the park with John Candy were a last-minute alternate ending filmed over two weeks, four months after production ended. The original ending was deleted and is believed to be lost. However, Chevy Chase has said that he has a videotape of the movie with the original ending. A photo of the Griswolds on the plane is shown during the end credits.
0: Wow. it's, uh, it's, it's a choice. Definitely a choice.
1: It's a, I mean, again, that sounds like an interesting dark ending. And I do like the dark ending of the original short story. It does really work in the short story. Because in this, like, Clark Reswell goes to get a gun, and then he forces uh, John Candy uh, to, to go on all these rides with him at gunpoint. And he, he kind of humiliates the other guard. By the way, the only other African-American person in the film. Diversity. Diversity. And he makes him, like, roll around on the ground and bark like a dog. Am I getting that right?
0: Uh, I didn't even notice that. Did he do that?
1: I huh. think he, there's some dialogue about that. I mean, it's such an inconsequential part I can't remember. But Okay. Uh, I just remember towards the very end, I was like, oh, hey, look, other black person. Yay. (laughs) We're doing it. Breaking down barriers. Uh, But yeah, so he, uh, Roy Wally shows up and Clark has this heart to heart with Roy Wally and Roy Wally drops all charges for some weird reason. And so Clark suffers absolutely no consequences for his actions. Yay. 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 (laughs) Yay. Yeah. Are we happy about this? Are we rooting for it's it's a. It's Do a, we it, like Clark Griswold
0: enough to not want to see him pay for his crimes? I don't know. It's uh yeah, I will say that the ending is I don't I'm not too wild about it. It, it does feel like it's tacked on and it ends really abruptly. As soon as it's it, so, very abrupt. Very abrupt. I I think you could you totally could have done a Blues
1: Brothers type of ending and just had like Clark Griswold thrown in jail, in prison at the end of this movie. Yeah, no, absolutely. No. Flying home to Chicago. I mean, that's a, that's a dark ending, but it's also a cool offbeat ending. And I, that sounds really appealing to me.
0: Yeah, but I guess it's, I don't know, I guess it was too dark for some people. or But I don't know, I it's, guess. it's like you said, it's like the way you said with um like the Blues Brothers. I mean, they went to jail for yeah. all the insane things that they did, because you can't just walk away from that shit. But they, made, they found a way to make it Still funny, and I don't want to say heartwarming, but like a little. I pushy. guess
1: it's still an upbeat ending because they're they're singing Jailhouse Rock at the end of Blues Brothers, and since this isn't a musical, you don't really have that option. But yeah, that's true. I, but yeah, I think they could have made it work somehow. It, it's
0: just such a weird, abrupt ending. I mean, John Candy's very funny; he's good. Yeah, he has some funny lines. Yeah, in and uh, um, I mean, f- also from what I read is um, when they filmed. At the, at the uh, amusement park, it was probably one of the, the... A lot of people say it wasn't a great shoot because uh, a lot of people got sick having to ride the rides multiple times for multiple shoots. Yeah. I believe um, the daughter had to take like motion sickness pills because... Yeah, because they had to go on the
1: rides. I mean, yeah, because you're shooting on a roller coaster. You have to go... Three, four, five, six times, however many times.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I even think Anthony Michael Hall said, yeah, there's like a few shots in there where I look terrified on, on the yeah. roller coaster. It's like, I'm not acting. I'm genuinely terrified from being on that yeah. damn roller coaster.
2: Yeah. So, so... Uh,
0: so it was traumatic for everybody.
1: <laughs> traumatic for everybody. And also like boiling hot. They're, they're saying like it was like 100 degrees. The pavement that we were running across was like 130 degrees uh it does not sound like a pleasant shit yeah you know wally world (laughs) wally world um by the way uh you you talked about dana baron before played audrey uh she has had a long career apparently still working her last credit is on an episode of the goldbergs in 2019 so yeah still around still working
0: so well fantastic had a good long career Okay. Oh wow. I'm looking. John Candy was paid 1 million for his brief appearance at the end of the movie? Is that right? That, that is nutballs, man. That can't be. Wrong. 1 million? I'm I'm going
1: to 1 I, million I, for a 2-week shoot? That seems like that seems that sounds exaggerated to me. This is what it says on the internet, and the internet does not lie. I mean, I know the internet is never wrong, but one million really? They were that desperate for the John Candy? One million dollars. That's what it's I mean, you know, he, he was great, he was wonderful, he It's obviously worth it, but that seems like a lot, man.
0: That's what it says. But I don't yeah. know.
1: I'm just I, I I think they just they still should have found a way to shoot uh Roy Roy Wally at the end. I think that would have been funny.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, I do feel like the ending was a little bit of a cop out. I'll give you that. Yeah. Do you feel like this film still works overall?
1: Um, Hmm. Overall, because I'm feeling like in 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 some ways it hasn't aged very well. I didn't. I wasn't finding it too terribly funny this time around. There, there are moments. There are moments. I love. I love the scene in the desert
0: with with Rusty chugging Clark's beer. Yeah, yeah, that was I, funny. I like the part with yeah. the with the. The Highway Cop, Um, there are moments that are still funny, but overall, yeah, I would agree with you. I don't think it's aged terribly well. Um, Yeah,
1: and it's, I mean, uh, also just because Chevy Chase's shtick just seems so old and so almost hack at this point. You know, it's just, it's very played out, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, like, people had seen it a hundred times on SNL. And, um, yeah, I mean, this isn't Chevy Chase's first movie, but like, it's, i no, but like at this point, we, everybody kind of knew, like, all right, this is Chevy Chase. He's going to do this, this, and this. Like, he kind of, yeah. you know, Chevy Chase, Chevy Chase is going to Chevy Chase. Like,
1: he's going to Chevy Chase, and he, Chevy Chases up the wazoo in this movie. And, and I'm trying not to judge this too harshly through 2022 eyes, but, uh, I'm kind of judging it through 2022 eyes, you know. I I try to look at movies within the context of their time, but it sometimes it's tough.
0: Yeah, I mean, before this, he'd, he'd already done Caddyshack and Foul Play and Oh Heavenly Dog, so seems like yeah. old time. So we like everybody kind of knew the Chevy Chase beats of his comedy. Like, all right, he does this, this, and this. So like, yeah, yeah, it would have been nice to maybe see him played a little bit more different. Like, I mean, he did a little. He played a little more different, like a little bit later when he did Fletch. Well, yeah. At this point, yeah. he was—he was like kind of, you know, in- like
1: like Clark. It would have been funnier. It might have been more of a contrast if if Clark Griswold was even nerdier. I mean, he's a little nerdy, but he's not quite as nerdy as he could be. And right. I also feel like this this might have been funnier if they'd actually done it as a period piece. If they'd actually had it take place in 1958, mm. I totally get why they didn't, because that would have added a whole other level of expense to the film. But I feel like they lost a little something by having it take place in the present day. You know.
0: Oh, well, fair enough. That's fair enough. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll agree with you on that. I'll co-sign. Because it's
1: funny. It's funny to see somebody from like the the repressive 1950s lose their shit than yeah. somebody from the 1980s. Yeah. Lose
0: their shit. Like somebody from the 50s dropping f bomb. Now that's funny.
1: Yeah. Exactly. You know, some some dude with a with a 50s crew cut and and horn rim glasses. And, yeah. High and tight.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh but yeah, it, I it's I'll, Clark, I'll
1: agree started out as like this accountant type. I mean, I know he's supposed to be nerdy. They talk about like his job as food additives or something, and uh right. but Chevy Chase is he's only semi-nerdy because he he's he always wants to be the
2: cool guy.
0: Yeah, you know? like he has those he had he did put in like a few of those oh I'm still suave moments, like when he met up right. with Christy Brinkley at the bar and, and right, like
1: like, to, like I mean, yeah, I'm a nerdy dad, but yeah, still Christy Brinkley wants That's right. Wants to be all over this. She
0: still wants this butt chin I got.
1: Yeah, and and you can't really have it both ways. Yeah, exactly.
0: Either go all in one way or all in the other. I I totally agree. Right,
1: right. It, It would have been better if Clark had been nerdier. I think.
0: I'll I'll agree with you with that. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: You know, if like like I'm thinking like a Michael Douglas and Falling Down kind of thing.
0: Ooh. All right. Now you're cooking. Yeah. Now you're talking. I like that. Okay.
1: Anyway, I I think even Harold Ramis wasn't entirely t- fond of this film. I don't think it's one of his favorites. Anyway, I think he seemed to say like, "Oh yeah, I would do this a little differently today." Like like this like the scene where the hubcaps are stolen.
0: Yeah, that's true. There's there's some stuff that hasn't aged well. Like I think at one yeah. point when they leave for um, they leave for their trip, like when they say goodbye to their neighbors, one of them says, "Watch out for Indians," which I was like, "Oh what." That's like a weird thing you're yeah. doing there, uh, but overall, I mean, it's still beloved. People still look at it back at back on it with fondness. So there is some, still some good stuff in there, to, uh, to, to be liked. I'd say
1: okay, if you say so. I I feel like that's more nostalgia talking than anything. I, I feel like the people who are remembering this movie really fondly, they maybe haven't looked at it in a long time.
0: Mm, okay. All right, it's very possible. Yeah. It's very possible. All right, so, I mean, overall, I, I, th- I think it still yeah. pretty much works for the most part. But, yeah, there's still, it ain't perfect.
1: Uh, some other interesting trivia I'm seeing on the IMDb trivia page. It says uh, Richard Belzer, Robert Klein, and Bill Murray were all considered for the role of Clark Griswold. Mm,
0: that's be... uh
1: Griswold's station wagon, created especially for the film. Oh, this is nice. Chevy Chase adopted Stinky and Edna's dog after filming was completed. Aww. So that's nice. He, he made up for killing the dog on screen.
0: Oh, Stinky has a home. Yay. That's lovely. I
1: mean, of course, that dog is totally dead now, but...
0: Yeah, of course. You know, yeah. six feet under.
1: Yeah, long since dead. I mean, that right. dog has been dead for literally decades.
0: That's right. I'll go scrape the, I'll go get the rest of the carcass.
1: Uh, this is interesting. Maureen McCormick, Marsha Brady, her own self, was considered for the role of Ellen.
0: Ooh, that's, uh, that would have been different. That would have been different. Um, yeah.
2: Not, not
1: bad. This could have been a big Maureen McCormick comeback vehicle.
0: Yeah, let uh,
1: play against. But, I mean, Beverly D'Angelo does a very nice job. I mean, she has, it seems like a thankless role in many ways, but I think she she does a very nice job
0: yeah that's true she she does what she can with it, I, I, it like you said like i yeah. think she she does she does well you know you know got the boobs out yeah she does she's good <laughs> i mean it's sad but i mean that's she
1: doesn't have too much else to do besides being like oh clark and then yeah the, the gratuitous nude shot
0: yeah that's true Again, like yeah, a lot of it doesn't age well, but overall, I think it's okay yeah o- overall not I think bad.
1: they give her I, they give her more to do in the sequels, don't they? I remember in Vegas vacation, they had a thing where like Wayne Newton tries to steal her away
0: oh yeah yeah that that is that, that is the thing I do remember that,
1: yeah, um I don't remember well, no, I remember a little thing that happens in European vacation,
0: okay, Uh...
1: Not not a great subplot for her, but I remember that like she she's she do she does like a sexy dance for Clark that in, and that he videotapes, and it somehow ends up in some person's hands, and and then it's released as like this pornographic film.
0: Oh, so it's Tom and Pammy before uh, Tommy and Pam with the thing.
1: I guess so. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is wow. that. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's stolen, and yeah, and. She's violated and it's played for laughs. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, again, we, 80s, didn't know women were any good. Yes. Good job, objects. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and I've never seen Christmas vacation, so I don't know what happens to her in that one.
0: I have never seen that
1: either. We should do that this year. We should do that maybe this Christmas. That might be interesting. Because I, I know that one's kind of a beloved one. Um,
0: yeah, that's the one where the shitter's full line comes from, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, um, yeah, surprisingly little of Cousin Eddie in this, but I, I I guess he became a bigger thing in the sequel. By the way, Dana Barron is the only actress to ever play Audrey twice. She played Ooh. Audrey in this film and in Christmas Vacation 2, Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure.
0: Ooh, she played Audrey 2 times. <laughs> she, she played Audrey
1: 2. She played a man-eating plant.
0: Bruh. Feed me! So. Alright, far out. And uh yeah, so overall, not a bad not a bad movie. Could could be better, hadn't aged super well, but overall, yeah, not too shabby. It's I mean, I'd I'd say it's okay at best. Okay. It's... Okay yeah. at best. Uh <laughs> oh, the that's, summer is getting off to what a I'm great saying. start. Yeah. Summer's getting off yeah. to a great start. Yeah. Okay. And so. um uh, and that's our episode, guys. Thanks so much for listening as always. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, please rate and review and, and all that good stuff. We, we love to hear from Subscribe. you. Subscribe. Subscribe. That's the word. We love to hear from mm-hmm. you. We love to hear your feedback. You can follow us on Twitter at SNL Nerds Show. And uh, you can follow mm-hmm. me on Twitter and Instagram at Darren Credible. That's D A R I N Credible.
1: And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Trumbull comic. That's T R U M B U L L. And then the word comic. So, Absolutely. and uh, we're going to be back next week. We're going to continue on with our summer movie marathon, and we're going to do another summer-themed movie starring an SNL alum. We are going to do what I think was Bill Murray's first hit film, Meatballs. That's right. Bill Murray, Other People. Yes. Uh... Bill Murray, as a summer camp counselor. Uh, I remember seeing this. As a child this was where I first discovered Bill Murray cuz I was in this was that was like 1979 1980 something like that. I believe so. I'll... So I was I was still too young to watch SNL at that point but I watched I saw Meatballs in the theater and I was like this is the funniest person ever.
0: And it, yeah. it
1: started my love affair with Bill Murray.
0: Yeah I remember he's not in the movie a whole lot but once you once you see him in this film, like you, he, he steals the film. I'll just say that. Yeah, this came out in uh, 79.
1: 1979. It was Ivan Reitman's first film. It was, was it Bill Murray's first film? No, he couldn't have been. He was in, he was in the Ruttles. I know that. So,
0: uh, Yeah, that's true. Um, his first
1: starring role, I think.
0: I would say so, yeah. I mean, 79, yeah. that, was, that was a ways back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, Ivan Reitman film. It's uh, we'll,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, we'll, we'll give this film a look see and uh, report back to you guys, and let's let it, and we'll let you know what we think.
1: How does it hold up? Does it? I'm I'm guessing the Bill Murray parts hold up well; the other parts, not so much. That was kind of my reaction the last time I saw this film. Mm. So, all right, which is which is probably why it's taken us four years to cover <laughs> this film.
0: Yeah, we've been pushing this one to the side for quite a bit. Quite a bit, but we were like, "Hey, it's summer. Let's let's do it. It's a summer film." Are so, you ready for the summer? Yeah.
1: Are you ready for the yeah. CITS? Yeah. Are you ready for the other stuff? The birds and bees
0: and the sycamore da, 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 da,
1: da. Yeah, I you know it, it's not a memorable theme song, you guys.
0: No, it's it's no holiday road.
1: It is no holiday road. It's no holiday road. I
0: found out a long time ago.
1: Yeah found out long, long ago. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, we'd like, we'd like to thank, uh, Lindsay Buckingham for, oh, Lindsay Buckingham. Oh man. We have Lindsay Buckingham here on the podcast already oh. to share his vacation memories. And, oh,
0: oh, sorry, man. Lindsay. Sorry, Lindsay. Sorry, baby. <laughs> Lindsey, you you, and- you, you'll
1: forgive us, won't you?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Will you? Come on. Come on, Lindsay. Give us a smile. Come on. <laughs> yeah all right all right okay so uh Lin- Lindsay, maybe we'll be back here to talk about meatballs with us but uh until then nerds out
0: this has been a non-productive media presentation executive
1: producer frank cablauie